This sermon was recorded online during our season of Shelter in Place in Mountain View, California. And as you heard, they have a very particular way of presenting Jesus in, uh, to us today. And that's primarily Jesus as the one who is our peace, our peace with God. And that's such a theme, I believe, that's timely for us. I think it's timely for us as individuals in our own walk with the Lord. I think it's timely for us as if you're married with, our, with your spouse in your friend circle at work. It's timely for us at a national level. What does it mean to be the peace of God to those around us and in the conversations that are taking place and in the whole just trying to get uh, figure out how to be God's person in the midst of these things that are grieving our nation and causing uh, a lot of kind of long delayed attention. It also is a way of, I think, informing us about even our global connection in this pandemic. It's not just us who are affected, but it is cl- clearly around the world. So being the peace of Christ, understanding the peace that Jesus brings us, I think has application in all those areas. And so we'll look at that. I think when we look at the text, and I'll be spending most of our time in the Romans text that Jacob read, if you have your scripture, I'd probably encourage you to just open it right now to Romans 5 verses 1 to 11, because we'll look at some of those and that might be helpful. So when we look at the role that Jesus is portrayed as, as, as bringing peace, I think there's three things that, that we're going to consider. First is that what he brought us, Jesus brings us peace with God. We cannot have peace with God without what Jesus has done for us. We cannot enjoy ongoing peace with God without an active relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why he did that, I think sometimes it's actually hard to lean into what it means to experience and and live out of that, the peace that he provides. But if we come and understand why he did so, why did he bring us this peace, essentially an amazing act of love on his part, I think we can move more fully into that. And then the third thing we'll consider is how once we experience and live out of that peace of God, how is it that we become the peace of God to those around us? So what he brought us is the Lord's, is God's peace. Why he did so is out of his love for us. And how we are God's peace is to be his peace to those around us. So the first couple of verses of Romans 5 say this, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I think the first thing to notice that this is, in one sense, a covenantal act. What Jesus has done when it says that he, uh, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, it's a reference, of course, to his death and to his resurrection, that that took care, if you will, atone for our sin. That because of what Jesus did, we now have peace with God. We're no longer enemies of him. We're no longer on the outside. Our unholiness has been made holy, not by anything we've done, but specifically by his holy son, who knew no sin, but became sin for us. And because of what Christ has done, and only because of what he has done, can we have this peace with God? Can we have 
what peace means is full access to God the Father, the full rights and privileges, if you will, of being part of God's family. We talked about God the Father and some of the implications of being in his family last week. But we have gained access by faith into the grace which we now stand, according to the verses. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Because we now have peace with God, this covenantal act, we cannot add to it. It cannot be taken away from us. But we can, having accepted it by faith, we now live out of that. So that's the covenantal peace. All the beauty and fullness of new creation that is promised to us becomes more and more a reality. We as a new creation, this uh, eventual recreation of the heavens and earth, all of these we experience in some way even now, but the fullness will come when Christ comes again. And so that's kind of a really shorthand version of, of an aspect of the peace of God. So it's a covenantal peace, but it's also an ongoing reality. The peace of God is not meant to be just a doctrinal statement or a positional uh, comment on, on theology. It is me meant to be an ongoing reality in our own lives. It, it, it should be so transformative that we can say, that we can shout out, we can actually boast in the hope of the glory of God. We can say, Lord, despite what's going on around me, despite the things that are in front of me, despite the setbacks that I've suffered, I am boasting, I am bragging on the hope that awaits me in the glory of the glory of God, that there will be a time when what you have promised with all its radiance, with all its recreation, with all its, its justice, with all the things that this world is crying out for and it is longing for and will not be fully expressed until Christ comes again, all those things I can, I can boast about because I know they will happen. Your death and your resurrection have proved it to me. And so I need to experience that. Each of us needs to experience that as an ongoing reality in our lives. And so how do you do that? One of my exhortations today is really to, to like push hard into that, that get in touch with it. I'm, I'm concerned that, that we don't have the peace in our lives that Christ died for because we're not in touch with the peace of God that comes through him. Too often we lapse into experiencing peace primarily as an absence of adverse circumstances. And so we might say, well, no one's upset with me this week at work, or I'm not in any particular financial difficulty, or my health is okay, the world seems calm. These are sometimes confused with peace, but they are not indeed peace. They are just a type of circumstance, perhaps a lull in the action. And they are fundamentally an unrealistic foundation for peace. They are ripe instead for producing fear and anxiety because, because they're so temporal in their nature, the slightest change in any of those conditions can set us off in an inordinate amount of fear or uncertainty or even despair about what's going on around us. And that's because we have made the mistake of equating peace with circumstances rather than knowing that peace comes from a relationship. And so we don't appreciate that fully. So when I want us to push in to get in touch with that, I'm aware potentially that this might be a little bit new to think of how to get in touch with the peace of the Lord. But when, when, you, when we do that, 
um, we just, part of it involves just coming into his presence and understanding his love, first and foremost, his love for us. Like just to be, just to come in and if it's a prayer time or some uh, devotional exercise that you have, to come in there and experience complete and total acceptance. Not because you've cleaned yourself up, but because Jesus himself is your advocate, is your priest who's gone before you, continues to do that, continues to intercede for every one of us. We can be fully in the presence of God because of who Christ is. And as I said, be only because he uh, of what he has done. But we need to embrace that. We need to say, Lord, I've got no right to be here, but I can be here. And I want to experience the love that you have. I have full access to that love. And I want, I want that to wash away my anxieties and my fears and my doubts. Forgive me for the times I'm so focused on the things of this life or the immediate deadlines in front of me that robbed me of joy, stolen my peace, Remember, peace is primarily relational. I may be speaking of it now in terms of some uh, emotional experience, but it's not emotions are a byproduct of the relationship. And so get in touch with that. And, and as I said, Jesus brings us this peace. But one of the ways we can get in touch with that more is to understand why he did so, that he did so out of his love for us. When we understand more and more that it is the love of Christ that the, the love Jesus had for the Father and for us that compelled him to go to the cross, we can you know, run, not walk, to that place where we can be in God's presence and enjoy the peace. Here's what verse 6 of Romans 5 says. You see, at just the right time, we, when we were still powerless, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so that encourages us to, to look at, frankly, who we truly are without God. There's a couple ways, that, there are a few things to notice in just what I've read, that we were powerless, we're called ungodly, we're called sinners, I don't know about you, but I typically don't think of myself in these ways. I know, but neither do you. We tend to think of ourselves as a little bit better than average, or that we used to be sinners, but by God's grace and Christ's work, we are no longer sinners. And again, that is true from a covenantal perspective, but that may not be fully true from the relational perspective. The fact is, we still have things that are vestiges of our past that are very much reflections of our earthly sin nature and that we're still struggling with. So we have no reason to have a higher view of ourselves than other people. Though we do tend to think of ourselves that way, we think we're not as bad as those other folks that we know. We practice virtue. We're conscientious. We're diligent. We're considerate. We recycle. We're accomplished. We're kind. And while these may be true, they're really not the whole story, are they? We're also self-centered. We're deeply prideful. Part of Scripture says we're steeped in sin from birth. We should be thankful that our thought life is not on display for others to see, that by God's grace, he gives us enough sort of shut-mouth grace so that we don't say things sometimes that are on, my, on our minds, that he keeps us in check. 
we know that given enough pressure, we are capable of all kinds of outbursts and behaviors that if someone else saw them in us, they, it would immediately cause them to condemn us and to reject us. We are capable of all kinds of isms, of elitism, of judgmentalism, of temporary agnosticism, of sexism, of racism, totalitarianism, and the like. Like what N.T. Wright says about this in his books, is Surprised by Scripture. He says, the line between good and evil does not lie between us and them, between West and the rest, between left and right, between rich and poor. The fateful line runs down the middle of each of us, every human society and every individual. When we get more connected to the sin side of what put Christ on the cross to begin with, and still continues to manifest in certain ways in our lives, we will appreciate more and we'll be able to push more in to wanting the peace of Christ. And if that's not enough, you know, the, verse 9 of Romans 5 says, since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? He not only opened up a way so that the power of sin is broken in our life, but he's also prevented us from experiencing God's wrath from the consequences of our sin, from a Christless eternity. And, and a, a, an eternity without Christ is so horrific that Scripture uses imagery of unquenchable fire, of a place of torment, of Gehenna, stinking burning dump, of, of a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, weeping over what could have been avoided, and the gnashing of teeth as a sign of bitter regret. This is what would be our destiny if Christ had not given himself for us out of his love for us. And so I'm like, thank you, Lord, that you love me so much that you came to give me peace between you and me, between you and your heavenly father. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, which we'll look at next week, that continually reminds me of that. And so because of that, part of getting in touch is that we boast. We boast in the glory of God. This is how James Dunn in his commentary on Romans describes boasting. He says it's only possible for the person who stands in God's grace so that his boasting is of, of the God on whom we totally depend without being able to claim any special privilege. As such, it's a boasting which is conscious of the not yet, but is confident of its outcome. We don't fully see all the things that we long for. We may be more aware of, of uncertainties and setbacks and challenges, and yet we look forward to the certainty of the hope in which we boast. Dunn goes on to say, it is a boasting of the creature, confident of the fulfillment of the creator's purpose for his creation. Now that's even a lot of theology for a short amount of time, but here's the main point that, that Jesus brings us peace with God, that he does so out of his love for us, that saving love. And so on a practical basis, if I could be kind of practical, here's what I am doing and here's what I commend. In these days ahead, between now and next week, create some additional space to draw into the Lord's peace. That is just you and he in your time of, of devotion, on your walks, whenever it is. I know that that I'm speaking to pretty busy people. I know that you know, perhaps you heard that as like, oh my gracious, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with just the amount of time I am giving God. But let me challenge you on that to say, this is not a check the box, you're a better Christian kind of category. This is more to draw into life itself, to experience 
what you need and what I need. I need to do that because I need, I need the Lord's peace. If you're here, here's who doesn't have to do this. If you are non-anxious, if you are moving forward in the, the, the particular things that God has you doing, if your relationships with others are in a place of authenticity and honesty and forgiveness, wherever that's needed, then take a break. You've already, you, know, you don't need to do that. But if any of those things are not yet true, if you need to think about some things in relation to other people, if you need to uh, get God's peace because of a sense of just ongoing anxiety around about any of the circumstances in your life to elevate the relational above the circumstantial that I encourage you to create, I encourage you to create some space. So bring, and then bring the people. If you create that space, the second thing is bring the people in your life who you're struggling with to see how God would console you, how he would encourage you, how he would guide you. Sometimes I have found myself you know, it was certain people in my life recently thinking, well, they're causing me a certain amount of you know, anxiety is, I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, some unsettledness. And I found when I come away into the presence of Christ, I can separate what is of me, what are my own sort of expectations or emotions or what have you from what is of God. And I have found that God has said, you know what, you don't have to worry about that piece or you do need to forgive them over here, or you're more concerned about their opinion of you rather than anything that's frankly substantial. We need to hear those words afresh in our lives. So create some space, draw into the peace of God, bring the people or the situations or the challenges that you're struggling with and hear from him. Now I'm aware that with all that's going on, the things that are pressing into us with our national debate and conversation and with the things that we see out there and, and right in our own communities, some may say, well, that's all very well and good to turn to God and, and ask for his peace. But my circumstances and these times call for action. You know, like we got to do something. And I would say, well, this is action. In fact, this is the most important action you can take. Trust that the Lord will lead and guide you in actions in each and every one of those concerns and relationships. He will... We need to experience that peace so that in turn, we can be his peace to others. And so just to checkpoint where we are, we were talking about he has brought us, Jesus brings us peace with God and why he does so out of his amazing and abundant love for each of us. But he does so so that we can be his peace in the situations and conversations and circumstances that we find ourselves See, he just doesn't do it to give us something to consume. He does it to give us something to share. Ephesians 2 says this, For he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, speaking of Jew and Gentile, and thus making peace, and in one body to, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. We're in a world right now that longs for peace. We're in a circumstance right now in a national dialogue that is even trying to understand the steps towards that peace. But if we are not the peace of Christ, how will those things happen? Jesus is already shown by his work, 
by giving us peace with his heavenly father and by breaking down the dividing walls of hostility that we are called to be that peace. Now, he's speaking to the Ephesian church and he's speaking to Holy Trinity, speaking to the churches around us. We're called to understand his peace that we can actually share his peace with other people. So let me conclude with this. Jesus, in the gospel reading that Cindy read, is sending out his disciples. He's sending them out into to the people of Israel, to the lost sheep. And he says this to them, the kingdom of heaven. Well, he says this, as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest upon it. And if it is not, let your peace return to you. Brothers and sisters, we are called to be people of peace. Uh, the, the peace is that wholeness, that shalom. We are the, it's a blessing that he's, in, he's telling his disciples to give to the house. And we need to be that blessing of peace to those around us. But we can only do so as we fill ourselves again and again with the peace from God. So amen. And I pray that the Lord would just take this and you know, allow that to percolate in our hearts and our minds this week. Amen. Thanks for being with us online in the Sermon Podcast. To find out more about Holy Trinity Silicon Valley, head to www.holytrinitysv.org.